The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Wednesday edition of the Leach Report with some good-looking sunshine outside from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We are going to chat with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic, Derek Terry, and Chris Fisher, both from the Cat's Paws. And uh, a lot to talk about on roster development for Coach Cal and uh, a change on the football staff for Mark Stoops. We'll get right into our Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Kentucky Beer Cheese. And defensive backs coach Steve Klingscale is leaving for a job at Michigan. Uh, He has done an outstanding job for Kentucky, both as an on-field coach with the uh, cornerbacks and as a recruiter extraordinaire. He's the guy that uh, helped to land, uh, was the lead recruiter on Jordan Rogers, um, uh, or uh, Justin Rogers, for the um, first five-star player for uh, Kentucky. And... um, He's recruited a number of other outstanding players for the Wildcats. And it's a, um, you know, you're not going to be able to hold on to everybody, um, but uh, it's still a, a tough loss. Good guy, too. Always enjoyed uh, visiting with him, having him on the show. So wish Coach Clink well as he heads up to Michigan. Uh, you know, Michigan and Michigan State have made runs at Vince Marrow and. Um, other Kentucky coaches, and uh, you know, eventually they were going to get somebody, you, you figure, and uh, it's uh, Coach Clink that's headed up to Michigan. Uh, basketball, on a buzz around Severe Wheeler, uh, that he might be the guy that ends up uh, being the veteran point guard component for Kentucky. We'll see. The uh, two-year player at Georgia is looking for a new college basketball home. Marcus Carr, we told you yesterday, had officially declared for the NBA draft, and then the news came later that he had signed with an agent. Um so Kentucky, many expect we'll get a commitment from Ty Ty Washington this weekend. Um, we'll see if that indeed plays out. And um, if they would get Ty Ty and maybe Severe Wheeler, then they could have the point guard situation locked down. And then it would just be waiting on some decisions from uh, Mintz and Brooks and um, et cetera. And I guess Isaiah Jackson, too. Remy Martin from Arizona State has entered the transfer portal. Uh, his dad tells The Athletic that the plan is still to go to the NBA, but they wanted a plan B if the NBA reports weren't uh, good enough. And he and Arizona State had, had moved on with trying to find uh, replacements for him. So uh, I, I haven't seen any mention with Kentucky with him. He's one of the first ones that entered a transfer portal at the point guard slot that didn't immediately have Kentucky uh, on the list from some people. But anyway... Um, we will see how that one plays out. I uh, think uh, Kansas could be a player there. And UK softball takes on Georgia tonight in the SEC tournament. Uh, Kentucky will be the sixth seed, Georgia the 11. Kayla Kobalik and Aaron Koffel named second team all SEC by the coaches yesterday. Kowalik, amazingly, not first team, uh, although she leads the United States in batting average. So hard to believe that she couldn't uh, have made it on the first team. And one we missed yesterday, congrats to the Lindsey Wilson football team. And Coach Chris Oliver 
for winning the NAIA football championship. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll head to a break. Kyle Tucker will join us from The Athletic when we come right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Welcome back into the show. We connect with Kyle Tucker from theathletic.com uh, to talk some uh, UK basketball to start, Kyle, and um, a lot of buzz that Kentucky could be finding its uh, filling its point guard void here real soon, right? Yeah, I think there's a there's a decent chance that, you know, within the next week, probably less than that, um, Kentucky could end up with uh, with a five-star uh, high school point guard in, in uh, Ty Ty Washington and uh, and a really quality veteran uh, point guard in Severe Wheeler from Georgia, the SEC's uh, assist leader last year. And, and if that is the case, um, I am certainly a little bit surprised and impressed I, you know, as it became clear that Kentucky was the leader for Ty Ty, and he's announcing on uh, Saturday, uh, it felt like to me it was going to be hard for them to get a really, really, like, no doubt good, you know, transfer point guard to also come. Um, because obviously there's going to be a, a competition for minutes there. Uh, in my mind, getting Ty Ty meant, you know, your dream scenario would be for Davion Mintz to come back um, because at least he would be a competent um, second ball handler um but could also play somewhere else but to to be able to land a guy like wheeler um i think would be really impressive and i know there are people that are you know a little bit um skeptical maybe of that because of his turnover number last year and his uh, poor shooting percentage uh and those are you know those are concerns he, he turned it over four point four times a game last year he shot uh you know 22 percent from three and, and 39% from the field. But I would say uh, Wheeler was asked to do a lot more last year uh, for Georgia on a bad team. You know, the year before when he's playing alongside a, a you know, top pick uh, in Anthony Edwards, he shot 47% and 32% from three and only turned it over 2.9 times a game. So he was better in that regard. I think if you, you know, if Kentucky had added this, this kid as a transfer after a really good freshman season, uh, where he had those numbers I just mentioned as a former top 100 recruit, everybody'd be, I think, thrilled about it. Um, and so, uh, I think some of those bad numbers will improve with a lot of talent around him. But the number that jumps out to me is seven and almost seven and a half assists per game last year in the SEC led the SEC by a mile. I think that the second place <laughs> uh, finisher there was like 4.8 or 4.9 assists per game. So. Um, you've got a, a really speedy distributor in Wheeler, and then a guy in Ty Ty with a huge ceiling, uh, who's a very good shooting point guard. And so I think you get a, kind of the best of both worlds there. And if they are in fact going to add both of those guys, to me, they have totally solidified the backcourt, and and in turn the, the roster. Because I don't think at that point there's any major um, missing pieces for them. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on. Uh... The fact that Wheeler would be a, a great pickup if that plays out, if they get the two of those guys, because um, my thought was if they're getting Washington, it's going to be hard to find an older guy to come in knowing that he might uh, be behind that uh, freshman. But if they can do that uh, with Wheeler, and then Wheeler uh, plays you know, backup 
point minutes and because you know Ty Ty is a shooter could certainly you know play you could play the two of them together at times if you wanted so it wouldn't be necessarily where Wheeler would be limited to seven eight minutes a game and um you know I think if you knew Davion Mintz was coming back you you might be okay with with uh, maybe Washington and Mintz but you don't know that yeah and, and I don't think it necessarily says they know that uh, that Mintz is gone that they're, right if they're going to take Wheeler I think it's more of you know you have to kind of be honest with these guys, and I think they probably have with Davion, and say, "Listen, you know, want you back, but uh, but the, the timeline on this is such that you know we can't sit around and wait. You know, we have to proceed as now that you've officially put your name in the draft, we have to proceed as if you are gone." And I think that is what they have to do. Um, I don't think they can they can wait around, you know, and hope that Mintz comes back, or wait around and hope that somebody else pops in the transfer portal. Um, I, I don't. You know, anyone who is hoping for for some better pairing, if you've got to get two, and I think they did need to get two uh, point guards or at least ball handlers, um, I, it'd be tough to imagine you could get a, a better pairing than a five star freshman and and an all SEC you know point guard. I just that's uh, it be doing more than that would be illogical. I, I can't imagine. Um, any other pair signing up for that. So I, I think this would be a terrific solution to their issue. Um, and then, you know, just taking their backboard in total. I mean, you've added more shooting than Calipari's ever added in a single offseason. Um, may, may be his best shooting backcourt yet. Uh, and I think that also offsets, you know, even if you think Wheeler's not going to shoot it very well, that, that, that is offset by the fact that he is definitely a distributor who's going to get those other guys evolved and open, and his ability to get to the basket is going to help with that. And so uh, I like it a lot. I was reading one of your colleagues in The Athletic writing about Remy Martin out at Arizona State. The story yesterday was talking about how this has played out for Martin and Bobby Hurley at Arizona State that, you know, um, there were some, I guess, stories starting to surface that uh, Martin might put his name in the transfer portal after he had declared firmly for the draft. And Bobby Hurley reaches out to his dad and it's like, you know, if uh, if uh, he if there's any chance he's coming back, you know, we we definitely want him. Uh, we're just trying to, you know, make sure we've got somebody. And his dad's like, no, we're you know we have no issue with uh, Arizona State. We're going to the draft, and then now. Uh, whether maybe it's something they're hearing from the draft or whatever, they're kind of he has put his name in the transfer portal. Wants to kind of have a, a fallback option. And meanwhile, Arizona State has has moved on and recruited other players, and so that's uh, why he's looking to uh, maybe go somewhere else if he doesn't stay in the draft. And that kind of speaks to what you were talking about with Mintz. You have to look out for your own best interest as the coach and and move on if you don't know for sure a guy's coming back. Yeah, you just can't be caught, you know, uh, without a seat when the when the music yeah. stops. And so, you know, I it's it's a tough spot. I mean, there there are a number of of unusual circumstances that are being created by all this movement in the portal. Um, and you know, while while I think it's the right thing to do to to have this freedom of player movement, um, there will be players that'll be hurt by it because of it. Um, because there are going to be guys that don't have a seat. Um, you know, I think there's also going to be, you know, it's interesting. There are going to be high school guys who, in a normal year, you know, would have had better offers by now, um, who are kind of sitting around waiting because, you know, 
coaches are going, you know, give me the guy who can play right now. You know, give me the transfer who we know can play. Um, and so a lot of the shuffling and make, you know, high, high level programs adding to their, to their roster right now are, uh, it's not the late scholarship offer to the high school kid. It's the, you know, it's the uh, waiver wire acquisition. And so they're, this is going to be really uh, just a really, really interesting thing to follow as we get a couple years of this to see what are really the big effects of, of doing this. And, uh, and I do think there's going to be some players, like I said, who kind of get caught without a spot. Quick break here. We'll come back a couple more minutes with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Uh, you, if you're not a subscriber, a uh, good time to get on board before uh, college football season, college basketball cranks back up. But plenty of uh, great content right now, so sign up at TheAthletic.com if you have not already done so. We'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. A couple more minutes here with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. And if you are a subscriber, Kyle's latest story um, from uh, Monday is about Kentucky's roster as it stands now and who's been added. And um, you write about uh, Keon Brooks in there. Talk to You talk to uh, his dad, and uh, they say that nothing has changed, right? Yeah, they continue to sort of reference what they say they've called crazy rumors. You know, there's been a lot of a buzz about, you know, would he transfer? Um, you know, and, and I think you, know, you could knock that down by just saying, no, he's not going to transfer, <laughs> uh, you know, by putting out an announcement that you're excited to be back or whatever. And it is a weird thing at Kentucky that we like, we, we are always looking for guys that obviously you would think in a normal program was, were obviously coming back to like announce that they're coming back. And even more so now that there's the transfer portal, but that's kind of the world we live in. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's, you know, a lock, but I, I do think right now, I mean, he's, he has stayed on campus, stayed engaged with the teams, participated in all their weight room workouts and their, you know, individual uh, skill work with the coaches and team runs. I mean, you know, unless something crazy happens, like Isaiah Jackson comes back where they decide to add another uh, forward in the transfer portal, then I would think that, um, I would think that Keon would be back. I, I would, and like we were talking about earlier, though, if you're Kentucky, I think you maybe guard against the possibility of that by at least putting feelers out to some other forwards. And they have, you know, it's been reported that they've contacted some some other forwards. Um, so I certainly think that if if he did leave, Calipari would have a backup plan there. You heard anything on Isaiah on the Isaiah Jackson front? No, and I think that's really interesting. I mean, again, it's like. You know, the longer this goes, uh, the more uh, I think it becomes possible. I still think he ends up in the draft, but you know, he still hasn't he, he still hasn't um, done anything that would jeopardize his uh, eligibility if he wants to come back. And so, um, we, we continue to wait and watch there. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, it seems uh, logical to think that the Keon just maybe uh, watching what's going on there. Uh, because if Keon hadn't, you know, entered the portal, not a whole lot of uh, really concrete rumors about him, you know, looking at anything else until he knows kind of how it's going to play out here, and that would seem to be, to me, a thing that you know, you if you're Keon, you're sitting there thinking, well, if he's back, and all these other wing players they've added could get a little, you know, for minutes if Isaiah's back too. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, that that's like that's a big piece of it. And and I think if you're Kentucky, look, I mean, you know, you, you'd love to have them both back, but but, but either one's fine. Either, either yeah, either one, yeah. I mean, you, you'd be thrilled if if either one of them decides to come back, and they'd be they bring different things to the table. Um, but but yeah, I, I think certainly Keon's got to be wa- wanting to make sure that uh, he's not going to get squeezed out there. Kyle, we'll uh, let you go. Appreciate the time as always. We'll chat next Wednesday. Thank you. You can read him at theathletic.com. The uh, latest story about the roster is up and uh, all kinds of great content. If you haven't read the uh, Riley Welch story on the, what he went through the team last season, it's a great read at theathletic.com. Let me get you an update on the Triple Crown. Presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. And it's been a lot other than the next leg of the Triple Crown that people have been talking about this week with the Bob Baffert story. Yesterday um, came the news that um, Medina Spirit was going to be allowed to enter with uh, all the Baffert horses, not just Medina Spirit, uh, undergoing extra and more rigorous testing in advance of the races this weekend. Baffert has the favorite also for uh, Pimlico's version of the Kentucky Oaks for three-year-old fillies on Friday afternoon. And, of course, he has the top two choices in the Preakness. Uh, yesterday, Medina Spirit drew the number three post position, was installed as the 9-5 to five favorite concert tour, his stable mate, uh, the 5-2 to two second choice breaking from the outside in the 10-horse field. Baffert has acknowledged that the uh, – the substance that was at issue, betamethasone, uh, turned out to be in an ointment that the horse was treated with for a skin condition after the Santa Anita Derby. So uh, that's the apparent source of the positive test. And um, even if you are 100% in on uh, that being the the issue i think it's still likely that the horse ends up being disqualified from the derby win because it it was a substance that showed up in the blood uh, test and um they may try to contest that it'll probably take a while to play out but um don't think we'll get a a resolution on that anytime soon but uh we do have the preakness coming up on saturday and uh, we'll talk more about that in the next couple of days but uh the third choice is midnight bourbon at uh, five to one in the uh, morning line that was issued yesterday if you want to book a tour of claiborne farm go to claibornefarm.com and uh, they are part of the uh, program where you can visit a variety of horse farms here in central kentucky so make sure you check that out we're halfway home on this edition of the leach report chris fisher will join us come right back get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show second half of the leach report coming to you from the clark's pump and shop studio in lexington we bring in chris fisher from catspaws.com and uh chris has been writing about the point guard situation at kentucky that everybody's been following here for uh, quite a while, Chris, and uh, looks like that uh, maybe if things play well for John Calipari, he could have some resolution on this before too long, right? Yeah, I think uh, there's a very good chance he goes from having zero point guards on the roster to having two in very uh, short succession. I think they've uh, zeroed in on Ty Ty Washington and, and Severe Wheeler to fill those two backcourt spots and I think the plan all along has been to add two point guards whether that was in the high school ranks or the transfer portal 
Ty Ty Washington decommitted from from Creighton in, in mid March and really became uh, not only one of Kentucky's top targets but one of the hottest names in recruiting in that 2021 class. Made a, a huge jump in our final set of rankings last week up to to number 16 overall and uh, he is scheduled to announce his commitment on Saturday. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if we hear something from uh, Severe Wheeler in the coming days as well. Let's start with uh, Ty Ty Washington. I believe was the leading scorer with 22 in the Iverson Classic last weekend. Did you get to watch it? I watched a little bit of it. Uh, the you know you can never really tell with those uh, kind of all star games how competitive those games are. But uh, really showed well for himself in front of a lot of uh, NBA scouts. Uh, in the scrimmages, I think that's the big, you know, takeaway from those types of things, the closed door, uh, scrimmages that, that get really, really, uh, competitive showed well for himself, as did, uh, Nolan Hickman, who asked for his, uh, release a couple weeks ago. But, um, definitely, like I said, one of the, the hottest names, one of the biggest risers in the 2021 20, class over the course of, of his senior season and, um, a guy that I think fits really well with what John Calipari wants to do reminds me a lot of Brandon Knight. He can he can drive it. He shoots it really well from the perimeter. He's not overly athletic or quick or fast, but just finds a way to to get to his spots. And uh, so I think he will be very effective uh, for Kentucky next season, uh, playing on the ball as a point guard or or playing off of it with his ability to to catch and shoot. And then uh, Wheeler, if uh, indeed he's the guy, I was just talking with uh, Kyle Tucker about this, that if you are going to get, if everybody assumes you're going to get a highly touted freshman like this, uh, it's probably not easy to find a veteran that uh, is looking to come in and have to fight for minutes or maybe even understand that uh, you may be you know, in a, in a backup role uh, ultimately, uh, which certainly could be the case if, if Wheeler is indeed the uh, the other point guard prospect. So if to get those two would be, I think, a coup. Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's an easy sell from the standpoint that John Calipari has played multiple point guards before. I mean, you look at uh, you know over the years, uh, Tyler Ulis and and Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray played with the ball in his hands uh, quite a bit more at Kentucky than he does. Uh, in the NBA, Isaiah Briscoe uh, on those teams with De'Aaron Fox and, and Malik Monk. And so I, I think the plan all along was to bring in two point guards to kind of play in tandem, two guys that can attack you on the ball or, or off the ball. And uh, Severe Wheeler is a guy that he led the SEC in assists. He was uh, led the Power Five, all, all Power Five players in assists at, you know, almost seven and a half per game, uh, had Georgia's first ever triple-double uh, last season. And I think there are some other potential options that I-, I was a little bit higher on in terms of who Kentucky was looking at. But those are guys that would still need to withdraw from the NBA draft, that would still, you know, in some cases, enter their name into the transfer portal. And if you're John Calipari, you can't wait things out and, and get left holding the bag, just adding, you know, if you do add Ty Ty Washington, having, you know, needing to add multiple point guards to your roster. You saw Marcus Carr announced yesterday that he was remaining in the draft. And so you don't want to get to uh, that late of a stage in the game where uh, 
there's nobody left on the board. And so I think Severe Wheeler would be a huge addition for Kentucky and all SEC guard. And I think there's a comfort level there that he's done it against the SEC competition. It's not going to be a transition for him. Chatting with Chris Fisher, catspaws.com, at chrisfisher247 on Twitter. We'll take a break. Come right back to continue in just a moment here on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Chris Fisher on the line with us from catspaws.com. Chris, I think a lot of fans are a victim of recency bias at times, a lot of times. And uh, with the play of Devin Askew not working out as well as hoped last season as a freshman point guard, um, there's a, maybe some fans are concerned about giving the keys to the car potentially to a, a true freshman at the point next season in Ty Ty Washington. But obviously, uh, if you look at the rest of John Calipari's history, it's quite strong. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. It's it's the recency bias with with Devin Askew. That situation did not work out as well. But you look at John Calipari's history with elite, not just elite point guards. No coach in college basketball has won more with freshmen in general than John Calipari. It did not work last year um, for whatever reason. I, I it didn't help that. Devin Askew, not just, you know, did he play to the level of of Kentucky? He just wasn't the type of point guard that John Calipari typically recruits. And I think that's one of the, you know, things that was in impetus for change heading into next season, getting back to, uh, you know, the things that, that they do well. And so I, I, I would definitely think that, that Ty Ty Washington and, and Severe Wheeler both are more representative of the, the point guards that John Calipari has typically recruited to Kentucky. Another thing I wonder typically is that you recruit, uh, when you're recruiting guys here at, at Kentucky, you're talking a lot about all the first-round draft picks. But now as this uh, landscape is changing with the transfer portal and all, if uh, a guy like uh, Michael Mulder is one that gets touted a little bit in some discussions, in that you're trying to convince guys, we're talking about this with Severe Wheeler, but we, you know, with other guys, I mean, C.J. Frederick, Kellen Grady are both coming in. Uh, everybody can't play 30 minutes with uh, the way this roster is maybe going to end up being structured. And so you can sell guys on the idea, look, here's a, a guy like Mulder who came in as a veteran, didn't start here, but benefited from the competition, and now uh, is is a pro uh, with Golden State. Uh, just you know, I uh, just think about that idea in terms of you know, Cal's now got to have a, a little bit of a different kind of sales pitch as we change the landscape of college basketball to convince some veteran guys, maybe like a severe wheeler, to come in and you know be willing to compete for minutes and uh, maybe sacrifice some. Yeah, I got the sense that that Kentucky fans were a little bit disappointed yesterday when, you know, the news started leaking out that Kentucky might be the the heavy favorite for Severe Wheeler, and you know, and maybe he's not a Jaden Hardy or a uh, you know Jose Alvarado or Marcus Zagorowski or McKinley Wright or Scotty Pippen Jr. or some of those guys that fans had kind of convinced themselves were. Uh, we're dying to enter the transfer portal and, and come to Kentucky. But the landscape, as you said, is completely different in this day and age. You look at 
the teams that were in the Elite Eight in the Final Four, UCLA, Michigan, uh, Alabama, um, Baylor, outside of Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler, they had transfers from Presbyterian and UNC Asheville. And so those teams, you know, you, people look at Kentucky's roster next season and say, well, that's not a legitimate national championship contender. It's hard to go from 9-16 and to a national championship contender in one offseason unless you're signing John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and, and Eric Bledsoe. And so the, the new way of doing things is the transfer portal, and it matters, and it's a big deal. And if more and more guys are going to go to the G League and more and more elite prospects are, are okay with saying no to Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and North Carolina and go to you know some of these lesser-named schools, then that's the way that you have to go. And as we've seen with even star freshmen, experience is so important in college basketball and uh, having some type of continuity. You know, even though these guys were at Kentucky last season, they have played college basketball before and played it at a high level, and uh, that matters. And so uh, Kentucky will be much more experienced uh, heading into next season. I think they'll probably have more career minutes played by – uh, the incoming transfers and the entire Kentucky team combined last season. And so I think when it's all said and done, Kentucky's going to be one of the big winners uh, in college basketball this offseason. And the uh, challenge for Cal's always been to convince kind of uh, an all-star team to come together and, and sacrifice some individual glory for the good of a team for one year, and it'll, you know, the rising tide will lift all the boats as far as the, the NBA. Now, uh, you're more, I think, uh, uh, like a as a college coach is a little more like a you know an NBA coach slash general manager in terms of you know using this transfer portal to put a roster together and find the pieces that you need and you get go out and you need a shooting guard you go find one somewhere that kind of thing. Yeah, I was good. Yeah, you took the words right out of out of uh, my mouth. That uh, manager, a, a manager is what you need and. Uh, other people have talked about this as well, but not just recruiting, but re-recruiting your own roster at the end of, of every year. And that's where developing those relationships with players is going to be of the utmost importance. Kentucky had that with, uh, with Kenny Payne. I think they're trying to get back to some of that with, uh, uh, Orlando Antigua and, and Chin Coleman. And so that's going to be a, a huge component, uh, not just for Kentucky, but for, for every team going forward. Chris, thanks as always. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. Thanks. It's Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws. We'll talk to his colleague, Derek Terry, when we come right back about Steve Klingscale handing off to Michigan and what that means for uh, Mark Stoops' football staff when we return on the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report for the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. We're in Derek Terry from catspaws.com to talk about Steve Klingscale leaving the Kentucky football staff. And uh, you were tweeting yesterday and writing at catspaws.com that this is a significant loss for Kentucky staff. Yeah, yeah, Tom, I think it certainly is. Um, given what he has done in recruiting, I think his impact at UK in his five seasons was second only to Vince Merrill. You know, you look at that commitment list that he had, uh, eight guys who were either committed or signed who were four-star prospects. And uh, a lot of those guys came from areas that 
you know, sometimes Kentucky hadn't really recruited those areas like Michigan, uh, even Tennessee to some extent. Uh, not a ton of players from Tennessee. It's maybe what you would expect with it being a bordering state. Um, but no, not only that, you look at, you know, what he did on the field. Uh, Lonnie Johnson, Mike Edwards, guys who were drafted uh, after being coached by him. And, and of course, some guys this year who could probably end up getting selected as well. And Michigan's been talking to him for, for quite a while. I mean, they, there was some talk they were going to try to make a run at him the year before, right? Uh, yeah, I believe it was uh, rumored that they were going to look at him earlier this year for the guy who uh, actually was hired and then got hired by Buffalo to be the head coach. I believe Clink Scale was in the running for that position earlier. So they, uh, whether or not there had ever been a formal offer prior to uh, this this time coming around, I'm not really sure, but... Um, it certainly moved pretty quick, which tells me that uh, Klingscale was, was ready for that opportunity if it was ever offered to him. Is it a situation, do you think, where uh, Kentucky, you, you sometimes are in a situation where you, you can't um, give everybody that is courted a, a dramatic raise because it will affect your, make a, a big impact on your, your salary structure for your entire staff? Is that something that maybe happened here? I think that's a possibility. I also think from Plinkskill's perspective, you look at him and he was given a promotion in terms of a title. He was a passing game coordinator coming into this season, but I think Plinkskill probably viewed this as he had been here for five years and while he had gotten pay raises while his time was here, Brad White had been promoted from a position coach to defensive coordinator. Obviously, Brad's still here. I think a lot of people probably view inside linebackers coach um, John Summerall as potentially that same kind of line where if Brad White were to be promoted somewhere else, then maybe John would just step in. So I think he had to view those things. And if you think Michigan, you know, it's a spot you can kind of diversify your resume even more, work under another head coach. And maybe there's a path there at Michigan for him to advance to be a coordinator a little bit quicker, whether it's at the University of Michigan or perhaps somewhere else. Yeah, because that's obviously the, the best stop or the best path to getting to be a head coach you'd be a an oc or a dc uh somewhere in college or, or the nfl and um be a college head coach that way so I, that i can uh certainly understand that uh where, what does stoops uh how, where does he look to fill that uh, void now you know there's some rumors out there that uh, jonathan cooley who was a grad assistant at kentucky uh back in 2015 and 2016 could be a guy. Um, he is an assistant DB coach with the Rams, of course, Liam Cohen, also coming over from L.A. So he's one guy who at least has ties to the staff. Um, maybe Stoops looks to make a bigger splash elsewhere. I've not heard too many other names. But I would think, given the talent Kentucky's recruited in the secondary and kind of the, the guys that a new coach will be able to come in and work with, I would think it will be an attractive position for somebody. Um, and if it is Cooley, it would be an up-and-coming top guy someone who probably feels like he has a lot to prove um is a very young guy so should be pretty motivated on the recruiting trail and uh i don't know that it's going to be him but he's one name that i have heard and if it is him i think it could be uh a guy that once he gets settled in in a year or two could pay off pretty big on the recruiting trail i think mark when he has made hires it uh, you know he's trying to get obviously a, a good football coach but the uh, recruiting component is uh, a huge part of uh, you know, the priority list. Well, yeah, I think it has to be for position coach. You look at, and I said this on our message board, and I think it's true. I, I thought the, the trio of John Summerall, Vince Merrill, and John, and uh, sorry, Stephen Klinkscale 
what was probably as, as good as UK has had for three guys on the same staff. And, uh, of course, you still have two of those guys now with Mero and Summerall. But I like Anwar Stewart's potential as a recruiter, but he's still pretty early in his UK tenure sometimes. I mean, you saw it with Plank Scout. It took him probably two or three years with him being here before he really started to make a big splash on the trail. So Anwar is going into year two this year. I could see him in a year or two being a guy who pulls some pretty good kids from the south. But I think in this hire, you, you need to get someone who um, – can come in and make a splash. So that might be why perhaps Stoops will, will go after someone a little bit more experienced on the recruiting trail because Akuli, you'd be taking a little bit of a chance just in regards that you know he doesn't have a long track record of recruiting high level talent. Doesn't mean he can't do it. It's just not there like some other guys who uh, who have been around a little bit longer. Uh, while we're talking football um, for fans, uh, when does Will Levis arrive as far as uh, adding to the quarterback competition? I believe he'll be here in June, I think, is uh, is the plan. Or maybe at the end of this month. I'm not really sure when the summer term begins, but I think finals just ended right this week, maybe. So Yeah, I think they're ending I don't this know week. What his, yeah, I don't know what his schedule was at Penn State, but obviously he was staying there, finishing up his finance degree, and then um, whatever graduate degree he's getting at Kentucky, he'll, uh, whenever that program starts, I guess he'll be there. But for his sake, probably good to get down there, uh sooner rather than later to try to get in there and uh, get involved in that quarterback battle. And I, I think he'll be given a fair shot for sure. From what I've heard, he's someone that uh, William Cohen is pretty impressed with and, and should probably have every chance to win the job. Derek, thank you for the time. Yeah, appreciate it. At Derek S. Terry on Twitter, catspaws.com on the web. The Stan Wildcat history, 1997. Tubby Smith. Announced as the new head coach of the Cats, he would go on to win the national championship in his very first season. Several birthdays today. Joker Phillips celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday to Joker. Nate Sestina, uh, birthday today. Keith Bogans, Kevin Grevy, and Quade Green, all former Wildcat basketball players, celebrating birthdays today. Um, if you're thinking about guys that get uh, overlooked, Bogans is... Probably one that is high on a lot of people's list. Uh, Kevin probably doesn't get, in terms of the uh, all-time greats, uh, enough uh, mention as well. That'll do it for today's edition of the Leach Report. We'll see you tomorrow with uh, Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland, and Josh Moore of the Herald League on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at Tom Leach.